Man, oh man, do we have a lot to talk about tonight. Welcome to Wrestling with Egos, the post-SummerSlam takeover G1 edition, or as we're going to call it, oh my god, it was like wrestling Christmas. <laughs> it was an extravaganza. Yeah. Yeah. This is the day after wrestling Christmas. My name is Patrick. I'm joined as always by the boys, RJ and Brian. You can catch us all on Twitter. You can hit me up at Rant Mode On. You can hit RJ up at RJ E Man with two N's. And Brian can be hit up on Twitter at B Crego15. You can check us out on, on the web, on our little repository, as Brian would say, bit.ly slash with egos. And feel free to chime in on this conversation and any, our email address, wrestlingwithegos at gmail.com. Ah, so much to talk about. Thank you guys for joining us this week on YouTube on anchor.com or anchor.fm uh i'm not gonna even go into the rest of the stuff because there ain't no reason being funny because this show's gonna this show is gonna bring the heat regardless of us trying to be funny or not we're gonna have a lot of great conversation we're gonna have a lot of great insight because so much good stuff happened over the weekend and yes i said good stuff stuff going at the southern accent but you know what Truly, as Vince McMahon would say, last this past weekend was good, pal. Real good, not Vince. (laughs) Not Vince is good, real good. So, gentlemen, before we start across the board, RJ, I think I know where you and I would go, but I'm not sure about the gentleman in the green shirt, our beloved professor over here, Mr. Creo. You're the teacher. Letter grade this past weekend. Well, gentlemen, this past weekend actually surprised me. When I was making my notes getting uh, earlier today, getting ready for our Lean Mean Wrestle Talking Machine, I realized from front to back what a great wrestling weekend this was. When you look at the, ta- the totality of it, you start with that G- G- G1 action, and you go through NXT TakeOver, you go through SummerSlam itself, and then you... Uh, extrapolate that out to the action on Raw and SmackDown, which we're going to get into later on. Um, <clears throat> were there some clunkers? Were there some missteps? Sure. Uh, we're always, you know, we know we can find fault with the best of them, but I was actually, and it, it's funny you, sh- you should come to me first, because after SummerSlam was over, I remember thinking how empty I kind of felt with a lot of it. But then I watched Raw and I watched SmackDown, and then I looked at the totality of the weekend, and I was reminded of something that one of you brought up in one of the first shows that the three of us were all together on, is that there is a gigantic menu of wrestling product out there to choose from, and that I should take uh, pride in the fact that I have all of these options out there so that when... WWE doesn't deliver like I thought it was, and we'll get into maybe why I feel that way later on. 
I'm not going to give away all of my secrets right off the off the top of the show. So that when they fail to deliver, in my opinion, I have New Japan to fall back on. I have AEW to fall back on. I have Lucha Underground to fall back on. There's just so much content out there. And as wrestling fans, I think all of us in Wrestling with Egos Atlantic can agree, it's a good time to be a wrestling fan. Because you, oh, yeah. have so, you have so many women and men out there plying their craft, trying to put on compelling matches for our entertainment. And it's a great time to be a wrestling fan, I believe. So what's your letter grade, though, for the entire weekend? I'm going to go A. And, and you'll see why I can't give it an A-plus later on, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go A solid. Hey, you know the rules of this show. You can have an opinion as long as you back it up. Just as which I'm not saying you've ever done, but I'm just saying, you know, hey, I don't think this person's good, X, Y, and Z, as opposed to, well, I just don't think he's that good. That's unfounded crap, and we don't, and, and, that, and that crap don't fly here on Wrestling with Egos. RJ, letter grade. Um, I'm giving it an A+. Plus. I can't think of one single thing that was negative all weekend. I'm the same way. There were some matches that I thought could have been better. I was disappointed in some matches. Um, but I, you know me, I try to accentuate the positives, hide the negatives. There were even good shows Saturday night with Ring of Honor's card. And, and we, right. bashed, we bashed Ring of Honor as of late. Um, help me out. The girl, Steel, um, that Kelly Klein beat. Uh, oh, my gosh. Regardless. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, we'll find, we'll yeah. find it out. That was a great freaking match, too. It was good. Yeah, it was good. Well, for, for Ring of Honor standards as of late, that was a really good match. I mean, it was yeah. it was your kind of your standard, really good Kelly Klein match, which I don't, you know, you usually don't get bad stuff out of her. Right. But that's the only thing you can say about Ring of Honor right now. Maybe that and Jay Lethal. Uh, but G1 was holy crap. Uh, and I'm not just talking about the final. Um, TakeOver was really good. I'm going to tip my hand a little bit. and We'll get more into detail on this. I actually thought SummerSlam was better than TakeOver. I enjoyed SummerSlam more than TakeOver. We'll get into we'll get into that one. Raw did not suck, and for Raw as of late, that is a big accomplishment. And SmackDown, we're recording this Wednesday night. Last night, SmackDown gave us quite possibly a match of the year candidate. And here's a shocker, boys and girls: it involved Roman Reigns. <laughs> what in the blue hell is going on here? The son of a gun goes off and, and, and does a movie with The Rock and comes back and, oh, by the way, guys, I can, I can have great matches with guys who aren't named Rollins, Styles, or Cena. <laughs> what the crap? But let's go ahead and get into it, boys. And as, as Brian would like to say, we'll, we will start with that G, 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 G1 action. Okay, RJ. You're, you're grinning like a pig in. Uh, we've already said a couple times, so I'll censor it. You're grinning, like, you're grinning there. All right, Brian. I got a feeling I know what's coming. So get ready. 
Hey guys, one of us picked Ibushi to win the G1. Who was it? <laughs> I think it was me. Was it me? Did I pick Ibushi to win the G1? You did. I know. Well, I did. It, it wasn't me because wasn't. I wasn't here that week. <laughs> it was not you. It was not you. Um, and it wasn't yeah, it me because me. it wasn't me because my pick to actually join Bullet Club. So, but, but Bullet yeah, Club. Yes, yes, he did. Yes, also, he your pick also took me. Ass kicking him a lifetime. I know. He but did. We'll get into that in a little bit. Let's talk, and we'll go backwards a little bit. We're going to do this show chronologically, but when we get to an event, we're going to piecemeal it together. Let's start with the G1 final. Jay White, Kota Ibushi. Ibushi wins it. He now has the shot at Wrestle Kingdom in January for, for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. As of right now, against Kazuchika Okada, but Okada's got to defend the belt against a couple people because he did, he, he did lose twice in G1. <clears throat> um, I thought, from top to bottom, I thought that was a brilliant piece of storytelling. From Red Shoes throwing out Bullet Club to then Red Shoes throwing out Ghetto, and now it's Jay White Kota Ibushi and Jay White is working that leg injury like his name is freaking Arn Anderson. Uh-huh. And, and it was just a beautiful match. Ibushi sold that leg injury the entire time. Every time he he hit a strike with his left leg, it it cost him something. Yep. And Jay White was relentless. I said this last week and I I'm double. I'm doubling down on it. Hey, RJ is the dealer. I'm doubling down. Um, I'm I'm on board with Jay White now. I am on board with the. I I, I now breathe with the switchblade. Yeah. Damn. I was like, holy crap! I never realized, and I guess I kind of because Jay White initially it just annoyed the crap out of me. Yeah. I never gave him because. In the early stages, pre-Bullet Club, he was annoying. He was just that annoying heel. Jay White is legitimately a heel now. He's not just like, you know, getting Shane McMahon heat. He's getting legitimate Champa heat. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Everybody in this building wants him to die. Yeah, he beat he Sunday 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 morning when he beat Naito to advance to the G1 final when it came down to Naito and Jay White at the end. As soon as the referee's hand hit 3 on the mat with Jay White on top of Tetsuya Naito, the commentators immediately mentioned that the building started emptying. They hate him so much. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yes it is. Because, as we've always said, you know, the members of the Heel 401 class, me and RJ, if you can make your audience hate you that much, but at the same time say, damn, I love, I (laughs) will pay my money to watch him get his ass beat and have a great match while doing it. You know you're a damn good heel, and Jay White might be one of the best on the planet. I agree. Ryan, your thoughts. What do you what did you think, bud? 
I'm actually going to pull this back, pull the lens back a little bit um, and talk about the G1 as a whole. Um, okay. Because I remember now, it just dawned on me a couple minutes ago, about four weeks ago, <clears throat> we were together and we were talking about how it seemed like with how the action had gone to that point, that John Moxley and Kazuchika Okada were head and shoulders above everybody. Yeah, Kenta was still hanging around, but but it, it, it kind of seemed like these were your two guys. And I think they did a masterful job of advancing that as far as mathematically was possible. And then all of a sudden, here comes Kota Ibushi and here comes Jay White. Um, I was at a conference on Friday uh, for, for the school year coming up, and I saw an, in, an image grab that RJ had shared of all of the permutations that were left for who could still win. Right. And, and we actually posted I we actually posted that on the uh in the in the show, embedded that into the show while we were discussing it last week. I don't know if you watched that far into last week's episode, but I might if, not if, have. if you were watching our entire G1 discussion last week, boys and girls, on YouTube, you did see that same graphic that Brian's bringing up right now. And I, I thought it was a masterful swerve, if you will. You know, everybody's talking about, you know, Okada and Moxley, Okada and Moxley. And then all of a sudden, here comes three or four other guys that you, that I will admit I had gotten rocked to sleep on. I was not thinking about Switchblade Jay White. I was not thinking about Kota Ibushi. I was not thinking about those people. And now all of a sudden, here they are with the best, you know, if they do these things, you have now have the best chance to go to the final. And you put in an epic match like that with all of the, you know, the, the swerves to the left and the swerves to the right and all of that. It's, you know, a great theater. And, you know, my hat's off to everybody involved because that's what you want. You don't want it to be a foregone conclusion necessarily. You want to still have something up in the air to fight for. And I, right. I thought they did a great job of that. Yeah, the only way I could see them just letting it be a runaway is if the whole point is you're trying to establish dominance. Like, for example, if they would have, you know, in 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 theory, just let Kazuchika Okada go undefeated throughout the uh, throughout the G1, that that would have been the the booking the Booker's way of saying no, we are. We are we are trying to cement Okada as the greatest of all time in our promotion. Um, and you I, do that with or without the belt? Yeah. Okay. Because Okada's been champion multiple times. He's the longest reigning uh, IWGP heavyweight champion of all time. Um but I think with this year, with him being the champ, if he would have gone undefeated in A block and then won it, you're looking at you're, you're looking at like the magnum opus of dominance for Okada. Um, the one thing I loved looking back on it, as you put, you know, pulling the lens back with Jay White, Jay White. What was it? Lost three. Lost his first three. Oh and three. Yep. Yes. Oh and three, and then mm -hmm. ran the tape. He did, just like he said he, he would. He essentially was was in an elimination match 
from match four on. Yep. And that was kind of like one of those um, worst of first in the last few weeks of the season kind of things. And if you remember, I think it was two, I think two weeks in a row, I said that Jay White has this thing about his gimmick where every time he says, I'm going to do this, he does it. And when he lost the first three and said, I'm going to win six in a row, I said multiple times that I felt like because he said that the way that he said it, that there was a huge possibility that Jay White was going to run the table. And you, and you did, and you were right again. And I, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't, at the time, I didn't necessarily think that that would be enough to advance out of the block. Because it just, it, the way they were, the way Moxley was going, it didn't, it looked like he was going to be the guy. But Jay did end up running the table, just like he said he would. He always says he was, he always, everything he says, I'm going to do, he does. And when he advanced out of B block and then didn't say, I'm going to beat Kota Ibushi tomorrow, I knew he was losing. Ah. Uh, <laughs> but that match. So we, you know, we talk about we we talked about the uh, match of the year candidate that WWE produced. I New Japan produced a match of the year candidate as well with Jay White and Kota Ibushi. I thought that was a an amazing, amazing match. Who are you kidding though? There's probably about six match of the year candidates in the G1. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. But I think that one was kind of like the. The piece de resistance. I think that was like, yeah, this one's this one's the best out of all of them. Truth be told, of all the matches I have seen this year, I would put that in the top three of best matches I have seen between, and I kid you not, between this one, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, part one, and Tuesday night. Roman Reigns and Buddy Murphy. We'll get to that one in a little bit. I, I'm sorry. I might be overshooting, but I thought that match was absolutely bonkers. Um, so we go from the G1 to NXT TakeOver. And well, actually, before we leave G1, a uh, couple other things that we want to talk about that lead to something really emotional and really freaking cool. Um, during the G during the show, the G1 final, Kenta joined Bullet Club, um, which was instant heat. Um, and help me out, RJ, because I'm blanking on the details. Who is Bullet Club beating a piss out of before somebody came in to save the day? Uh, well, it was, it was everybody. It was Ishii and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Yoshihashi was the last one that they were beating up. Oh, yeah. And then Shibata ran out and blew the roof off the place. Shibata comes out, and RJ had to explain this to me earlier. So, actually, I'm not even going to take credit for it. RJ, explain why this was such a big damn deal. So, Shibata was, Katsuyori Shibata coming out of the dojo was everybody's, this guy's going to be the next best ever. He was... Everybody said he's going to be better than Tanahashi in his prime. He's going to be better than Okada right now. Everybody just saw huge, big things from Shibata. And one day in a match, he, he did headbutts all the time. And one day in a match, he did a headbutt. And he got a brain bleed. And 
he can't wrestle anymore. Um, and every, it was crushing it, to the wrestling world that knows of Shibata. It was absolutely crushing because, I mean, you see this guy who's going to be what he was going to be, and he can't, he can't ever go again. And he's actually, he, he brought Kenta, he's been really good friends with Kenta for a long time. He brought Kenta into New Japan when Kenta first showed up, that when he surprised everybody and debuted and came out, Shibata was the guy that brought him out. And instant credibility because Shibata, you know, Shibata puts you over and you're over. Um, especially in Japan, he's just such, a, I cannot stress enough how big of a deal Shibata is over there. And it's just been so crushing for multiple years now to not be able to watch Shibata do what he does and be amazing. And for him to come out and be able to be cleared enough to do this one-off with Kenta and actually take bumps and do his big drop kick. And I, I mentioned something to my wife. I said, I said, I, I love new Japan. And I feel like if I was of Japanese descent, I would be crying because they just, they love him so much. And it was just such a big deal for Shibata to come out and do as much as he did. And then his pose was always the sitting Indian style with his arms crossed like this. So that's why Kenta sat on his chest, Indian style, and was doing this and doing uh -huh. this. That's why Kenta sat on his chest like that, because that was like Shibata's pose. Big, huge disrespect. So, yeah, that was, a, that was a big, big deal. There were people in the crowd that were crying. I saw people on Twitter that said they were crying. That was a big, big, huge deal for people in Japan. For everybody that's a New Japan fan, Shibata doing anything was amazing. And to do as much as he did was out of this world. My mind was blown. I could tell from the reaction, not only of the commentators, Kevin Kelly was losing his mind, and the crowd was absolutely going bananas when uh, Shibata was doing his thing, especially with the drop kick. I mean, the drop, the crowd reaction after that hesitation drop kick in the corner, which we've seen Kenta, Hideo Itami, whatever you want to call him. Uh, mm -hmm. We've seen him so many darn times in, in WWE and NXT and everything else. Um, I could tell that was a big deal, but I needed to get the get the real skinny on that from you because you're teaching us pretty much week by week on the things in New Japan. Happily, I thank you. I love oh, getting more eyes on the product, man. It's absolutely, oh, yeah. <laughs> and we appreciate you, sir, for that. Oh hell yes, we appreciate you. Um, RJ, help me out. Is there anything from Is there anything from G1 that we are missing before we move on and hop hop into plane and go and go across the uh, the Pacific? I will throw out one thing um, on the during the Minoru Suzuki before the G1 started was very very angry that he was not in the G1 and oh, he yeah. said he was going to do something to make up for it. And on the G1 final, he had a tag team match against Okada and Tanahashi and he got style pile drove Okada and pinned him clean in the middle of the ring and uh called him out and said I want your belt that's my belt now ever since that belt was created it's been my belt he said and uh he called him out and at Royal Quest on August 31st he will be the first person between Okada and Wrestle Kingdom He's defending the belt against Minoru Suzuki on August 31st. Oh, 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 I forgot about that. I did watch that match and go, Suzuki just pinned Okada. Yep. That's a big deal. 
because Suzuki is one of those legitimate tough guys. Correct me if I'm wrong. He, he's well-loved and well-respected in Japan, and he's just a legitimate badass, kind of like how American wrestling fans look at Haku. Haku. But, oh, legitimately. Absolutely. Yes, that's Haku. a great comparison. Yeah, Haku is just a legitimate tough son of a... <laughs> Haku is the perfect comparison for Minoru Suzuki. Suzuki did MMA for a while, and he's he's legit. He's a legit badass. And last last year, the year before, I think it was the year before last year, he uh, had, and this is amazing, and actually, you know what? I'm going to not bring this up, and I'm going to hold off on what I was going to say, and I'm going to use it as a homework. Well, I'll go ahead and... I'll well, Brian, let me ask you a question. Did you bring anything for homework this week? No, because I'm not on the hook for it yet. All right, well, RJ's on the hook for it, so I... All so right, then. I suggest you use it this week. We'll get to that later. I will do that. Let's, let's hop in the Learjet, style and profile, kiss deal, will and deal. Woo! Woo! And uh, let's talk about some NXT TakeOver. Um, great, great card what match for you was your favorite for me uh my favorite was cole and gargano and i know that's the obvious choice yeah but there was a sequence in this match um that i watched saturday night and i watched it again this morning because i wanted to make sure i saw what i thought i saw and watching it again this morning confirmed it for me the sequence midway through the first fall where they, for about five minutes, traded misses on moves, where they tried to connect on thrust kicks and, uh, you know, kicks to the back of the head and leg sweeps and, arm, you know, arm drags. And just it, it, the whole choreography, the choreography of the sequence was just breathtaking. And it, it's weird to say that about moves that you don't hit. And then they came out of the corner towards each other to try to get a super kick on each other. And then they were bouncing up and down in one foot and staring each other down. I thought that was brilliant. It's just another layer to this feud. And, you know, for me, that's what made it the match of the night for me. And then just the escalation, the brutality. I thought Gargano actually using the chair that Cole brought in the ring to get disqualified on purpose. A move that I've seen, I, I know for a fact I've seen Triple H do before. Yes. In one of my Howdy. favorite matches of all time, the Iron Man match with The Rock in 2000, he did that to purposely take a DQ so that he could roll Rock up and get another fall in that Iron Man match. And I'm like, I, oh, oh, I see why you're doing it. And now you got Cole yeah. on the defensive and you got all the weapons and the tables and everything. Yeah, hey, Brock, uh, Brock Lesnar did that in an Iron Man match with Kurt Angle on SmackDown where yep. he took the chair and just beat the brakes off of Angle and lost three falls. It was down like three to one or something like that, but Angle was so beaten up that for the next seven minutes, Lesnar just kept toying with him like a cat in a, 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 cat in a catnip toy. Yeah. Um, I was a our, little bit disappointed, uh, if, I, if I may, that our theory didn't come to fruition. Me too. Oh, yeah, me too. Because, as you all know by now, no titles change hands on Saturday. 
everybody that had a title on the line retained. Which um, is weird for takeover. Yeah. yeah Usually and changes hands. So, you know, I, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if they're saving that moment for later, but I, I thought Gargano and Cole, they've reached that point where they're as effortless as he is with Champa. I, I think, and and Cole has has won me over a, a thousand times over since I started yeah. really paying attention to him. And big props to him. Boom. Yeah, RJ, how about you? What was your favorite? I mean, I gotta go with Cole and Johnny. Um, and I'll I was gonna bring up what Brian just mentioned that no no titles changed hands. Which uh, gave me a little bit of false hope for my boy Johnny going into the main event. I was like, "There's no way, no titles change. Like, there's no way." I didn't, I didn't see Cole losing, but like at that point, I just didn't. There, I didn't think there was any way they were going to go with no title changes. Real, real quick, we're talking about Johnny Gargano. Today is day August fourteenth. Happy birthday, birthday Happy birthday, Johnny! Absolutely, for sure. Um. We got to. We might need to. Somebody, one of us, might need to look back over the next couple of days and see how, see when the last takeover was where no titles changed hands. Yeah. We might want to exclude the War Games ones because a lot of champs have champs have been in the cage. Right. That's right. That's true. We might exclude those, but you know, like your your non War Games takeover ones, we might want to see when the last one. What it's been a while. It's it's been a it's been a minute. Mine's gonna surprise you. My favorite match of the night was Red Dragon and Street Profits. A good match. It was God. We have always had a love for tag team wrestling. I love tag team wrestling. Um tag team finishers, if they're done right, are just so bomb. Um but that was a fluid match. It was a contrast of styles in multiple ways because you had the striking and the technical ability of both guys from Red Dragon, Fish and O'Reilly. You had Dawkins' power and his, and, and his amateur wrestling background. I loved the tie-up and the tangle-ups between O'Reilly and Dawkins because O'Reilly's trying to go Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu on Dawkins, and Dawkins is just mauling him like a bear with freestyle wrestling. And I was like, I just found that just beautiful and chaotic at the same time. And then to throw in Montez Ford's just disgusting athleticism. I mean, he is such a freak athlete. Uh, that's why I love the Street Profits. They've got a, you know, amazing charisma. They're just completely out there. But as athletes, they are an amazing, amazing team. Um, it for me, it was just a fun match to watch, guys. I, I when I finished the, when the match was over, I was like, wow. I I wasn't just like, wow, that was good. I was saying that with a smile on my face because I legitimately had fun watching that. Wasn't the fact that I had a vested interest because I like, you know, I love the Undisputed Era, but I also like the Street Profits. So seeing that match go down, I was like, that was just good, man. Yeah, nice job, guys. 
You know, I was I was happy for all four of them because it was just fun. Um, something happened at the end of Takeover. I wanted to talk to you guys about. Um, there was a thank you Johnny chant. William Regal came out, shook his hand, raised his hand. Candace left the ring and gate and and left the ring and left it for Johnny. Is this the last we're going to see of Johnny Gargano in NXT? I hope not, but probably. I I wholeheartedly agree with you. I hope that's not the case, but I think we're going to see him on 205 Live. I, 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 I was waiting for him to show up on Raw or SmackDown. I, I thought maybe when they kicked, the, the, they kicked Raw off with Rollins in the ring, I thought... You know, I, I don't even throw him in there right away going for the title, but who wouldn't want to see a Rollins-Gargano match, you know? Uh, or, <laughs> yeah, or I thought he might show up on, you know, SmackDown and, you know, do something with Daniel Bryan or, or something. I mean, I, I kept waiting for that to happen, and it actually didn't happen. Be the guy that drove the forklift? <laughs> no, just, I, you know, let, let, let's wrestle. Right. What a what a concept. I mean, it's a sh- it's a wrestling show, but I hope we haven't too. I'm I'm of the same mind, but I also think about it like maybe folks want to see what you unburdened from Gargano. For I, that's the wrong choice of words. And maybe it's the same thing with Johnny. You want to see what he can do with other people. You don't want to go to the well too many times. Because every time they touch, it's it's been a classic. You can go Gargano Champa about a hundred more times, at least. You could, but imagine trying to draw a parallel. Like imagine if all Shawn Michaels ever did was wrestle Undertaker. You know, or imagine if not, not that it's a problem, but you know when we you know. I'll bring it back to our GOAT discussion. You know, all the people that we're going to talk about over the course of that unfolding have are going to have had great rivalries with multiple people. Like when we talked about Chris Jericho, we rattled off about nine guys yeah. that he had memorable feuds with. And I think maybe this is a move to build up to Maso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano to see what they can do with other people. Because you can always come back to the two of them. Right. The Rock always came back to Austin, and Triple H always came back to Sean, and Ric Flair always came back to Dusty Rose, etc. Kevin always came back to Sami Zayn. True, but but look at all the other. Look at their their vast body of work. Maybe this is a chance to get a body of work for Gargano, uh, un unshackled from Tommaso Ciampa. What show do you guys want to see Gargano on? What do you think would be the best fit? I say SmackDown. I'm also going to say SmackDown, but only because I want him to wrestle Shinsuke Nakamura. I would say SmackDown because there's a lot of guys on SmackDown I'd love to see him wrestle. Nakamura, Murphy, Balor, but he's going to end up on 205 Live. I agree. Which, I'm going to be honest, I'm not too hurt about that because, you know what? I will get in line for Gargano and Gulak. <laughs> yeah, that's true. True that. 
I will get in line for Gargano Gulak. I will get in line for Gargano Lorkin. Um, I, do, here's one thing I am upset that we never got, though, in NXT, if Gargano is done with NXT. I'm bummed that we never got Gargano Pete Dunn. Ooh. Yeah. I, you, you guys know how much I love Johnny Gargano and also how much I love the Bruiserweight. I mean, I am a mark for the Bruiserweight. So, yeah, I'm a little bummed that we never got that. So if Gargano is done, who do you think is the next challenger for the NXT champion, Adam Cole, baby? RJ, why don't you go? I'm thinking. I'm, I'm postulating here. I have no clue. I'm. I have no idea. I'm so. I'm so completely empty, and it have been since Saturday, trying to figure it out. I have no idea. I got. I have nothing. Here you go. Just the. Just thought of it. Let's take Matt Riddle and put him in a program with Dream. So that Riddle can take the North American title off of Dream. And then let's let Dream and Cole go at it. Dream was my only thing, but then he's got the North American title, so I don't know. Riddle would be amazing, but I want to see Riddle and Brock Lesnar. I want to see, first off, I want to see, I want to see Riddle and Killian Dane, guys. Yeah, that's Dane, right, absolutely, yeah. That's, that's just a brawl. Honestly, and I'm not, I'm trying not to be a homer here. I think it's done. It might done, be. Done. It, to me, it doesn't matter that he lost in the, uh, the North American title match with Strong and Dream. Dunn has a 600-day title reign as UK champ to his credit. He's got a cachet. He can go, that doesn't matter. I did this. Suck it. <laughs> so... I think that gives, and as far as like the NXT level is concerned, Pete Dunne can challenge for any damn title he wants anytime, any day of the week uh, because he has that absolute dominance. And I thought about something today while I, was, while I was driving around town. You realize there's only been three North American champions? Yeah. Not, not North American, three uh, UK champions. UK champions, I knew what you meant. Yeah. Yeah, only, yep, only three. Pete Dunne and Volter. Good old Walter. <clears throat> Good old Walter. Oh, awesome. $10 million minimum. Take one of those chops. Legitimately, guys, it could be Ciampa that comes after Cole next. It could be. All right, so they're doing the tapings, I think, today or tomorrow. So help me God if the Adam Cole's out there addressing and then we start hearing the heartbeat I'm going to crap my pants because, yes, I, I am, like I've said for a lot of things, I am also here for Adam Cole, Tommaso Ciampa. The uh, wet naps are over on the table to your right, sir, for when that happens. Actually, <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> just just Actually, pre preparedness is what we're here for. Yes, they are. I would read them but they're but i have short stubby arms and they're over actually on the bookcase 
and I'm sitting in the middle of the couch. Brian, you know, you've been in my living room. You know how far of a distance that is. I can't I know, make. I, I know the geography. Yep, <clears throat> he knows my geography. Um, SummerSlam. Can we start with the F word? We can. Can we? <laughs> yes. Yes, <laughs> we can. Fiend. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, okay. I don't remember the last time I loved something in wrestling this much. Okay. Okay. This, this, right, look at the look on Brian's face and look at the look on me and RJ's face. <laughs> much tell who's not going to be a part of this conversation because number whoa, 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 hang on Brian. hang on hang on hang on he's a little bummed because it had to be Bowler, and i have a theory on that so we'll get to that in a bit homeboy but i promise you i promise you i think i might be able to help you make sense of the whole thing um go ahead go ahead it's go ahead. it's not that i won't be part of the conversation I'm happy to be a part of this conversation. I, I'm, it's like I've been saying for almost a month now. What have I been saying for a month now about this whole angle? I get it. I just don't like it. I don't like it, but I understand. And before we came on tonight, uh, when the lovebird and I were talking about things and, you know, she, you know, I had to remind her about what happened on. No, we were actually talking about things, and I had to remind her what was going, you know, what we were talking about from SummerSlam, and, and we started talking about Bray versus Finn again. And she goes, I just don't understand why, you know, Finn couldn't put up more of a fight. And I kept trying to explain to her that there's an escalation involved here. This this had to be somewhat of a squash. Finn, for about 45 seconds, was able to get some moves in so that he didn't come off just looking totally helpless. But the point was, he needed to be, you know, he needed to get the license plate of the semi that ran him over. So that when he does come back, now he's got some motivation. And that's when you start, you know, building Finn back up again. And that's when you uncork the demon somewhere down the line so that you put some stakes to it. Exactly. Um, the part of this match that I want to talk about is... The entrance, because good lord, yes. that entrance. <laughs> That's what we're going to talk oh, about. God. I ran out of spatulas at my house on Sunday night to get everybody's jaws scraped off of the carpet, because you had wondered, Patrick, I think it was you that had wondered last week, how are they going to get into the ring? That was the part that you were, that you were going to make, uh, you know, that, that you were really invested in. And what they did on a storytelling level was they took everything that you used to like or that we all used to like about Bray before all this happened and they basically you know set a blowtorch to it yeah. no the, they didn't. no no I, I and I mean that in a good way yeah Be, they because the, they meddled it they yeah. meddled it the, they turned the, Bray Wyatt into a 1980s slasher movie villain. Yeah. You have the theme song, which is sung in a totally different way now, and you have the the lantern, you know, because, oh my God, can we talk about that lantern? Um, Which was basically a a graven image of what he used to look like. Just 
you know, mm-hmm. and everything. And he's basically telling you everything you used to dig about me. That that's history. Well, it's a whole new ball game now. So strap in, yep. boys and girls. Uh, okay, RJ. I know you're trying to have an orgasm over there, and that's fine. Uh, I had to clean myself up after the uh, entrance myself. But would you like to hear verbatim exactly how I sounded during that entrance? Sure. Let me get a little close to the camera. And then he puts the lantern on the apron and you really see what it was. <gasps> I couldn't say a freaking word, dude. I was just like, oh, because I'm over here thinking, all right, let's see what they do. And then you see the let me in on the screen and then the drums. And I don't know, if the, in the very beginning, I don't know if you noticed, they were playing the bass line, just the bass line of the old version yeah. of Living Fear. Doom, 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 doom. I was like, all right, okay. And then the music dies and you hear Bray Wyatt, let me in. And then Code Orange, first off, hell of a band. Oh my God, if you like metal and you're not listening to Code Orange, just shoot yourself. They're good as hell. Um, and they start in, and you just hear hurt, heal, hurt, heal. I'm like, oh, crap. The way they shot it, the cam- camera-wise, the fact that everybody still pulled out the cell phones and had and were, were giving him the fireflies. <coughs> the way they did everything, even to down to the lower third. For those of you guys that don't know what a lower third is, I'm about to show you what a lower third is. This this is the lower third we use for this show. Right there. You recognize those? Those are our name cards. It's also called a lower third. That's what you see anytime the little graphic pops up with the person's name. In WWE, you do get sometimes special ones for characters if it makes sense. Broken Matt Hardy, The Undertaker. Uh, there's been a couple of other ones. I can't remember. OC. Huh? OC's got one right now. OC. Ember Moon gets one. The Fiend got one. Bray Wyatt got one with just the little fireflies, which I thought was pretty badass back then. Yeah. But even the lower third, I was like, oh, 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 that's just Pam. Oh, my God, that is so cool. He gets in the ring just as they get back to the hurt heel part. And then the spotlights are hitting him randomly like they have when he's mysteriously appeared in the ring. And I'm just like, oh, my God, they couldn't have done this any more effing perfectly. This is, oh my God. And then they cut to Finn. <laughs> and Finn did his, yep, that, that was, Finn was like, I don't know what's going on here. Finn Balor had the same look on his face that, that Brian O'Connor, also known as Connor of the Ascension, had at the very first takeover when Finn came out as the demon. 
the same effing thing. And I was like, the, the first thing I thought when I saw Finn Balor's face, do you got, I think it was uh, the Dark Knight Rise. Yeah, it was the Dark Knight Rises when Batman is talking to Catwoman on the roof and then Catman, Catwoman disappears. And then Batman, Christian Bale goes, so that's what that feels like. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. Friends going, so that's what that feels like. Oh. Damn, damn, sweet mother of God. RJ, do you have anything to add to all of this, or are you just content to let us rhapsodize? I mean, guys, what else is there to say? Um, I mean, capital P, capital E, capital R, capital F, capital E, capital C, capital T, perfect. From beginning to end, from the moment the Firefly Funhouse thing popped up and crept away to the moment that the lights flashed on him and he disappeared from the ring after he beat him, perfect. Everything. Everything. From everything. up on top of the ramp. With like the side shoulder look and the spotlights hitting him, I'm like, oh, gosh, dude, what, what? Everything. Here we go. I'm waving my hands because I'm about to cuss and I know where to edit this. What fucking Hollywood director did this? Did he hire Tarantino? I'll tell you what my wife said. So right as the match started. I said, oh, my God, that was absolutely perfect. They could not have done that any better than they did. She looked at me and said, that's because WWE didn't do it. Bray did it. Yeah. And she's 100% right. This whole thing is as perfect as it is because from beginning to end, it has all been out of the mind of Bray Wyatt and the man is a creative genius. This whole thing is absolutely perfect. Somebody brought up, I I, I understand it's probably not cost effective for him, but I saw somebody said something on Twitter about how it would be really cool if the next time we saw him, his lantern was Finn Balor's head. And then say he beats Matt Hardy, and then the next time after that, his lantern is Matt Hardy's head. And I, that would, it's probably, yeah, no doubt. That's what my mind was like when I read that on Twitter. And it's probably not cost effective for him. And it's always going to be good enough that it's Bray Wyatt's head. But, man, that would be cool. Oh, even better. If he leaves it as Bray's head, but on certain occasions, like, for example, hypothetically, um, let's say Bray Wyatt is facing Kofi. For the WWE Championship. And all of a sudden Bray comes out and it's now Kofi's head. And he's facing Kofi. Not just a past victim, but a telltale sign of the future that right. I'm about cool. no, I'm about to I'm about to have your soul. Yeah. Talk about um, mind come out with some guy's head. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there are so many things they can do with this. And I have I said this to Brian the very first Firefly Funhouse, because I don't think you had joined us on the show yet at this point, uh, RJ. Like, this has the potential 
to be absolutely perfect. Absolutely one of the greatest things we've ever seen. And so far, everything is coming up just amazing. Did you see the um, WWE shop put out a, like, Firefly Funhouse box? And you got, like, the little cutout cardboard cutouts and a little tiny miniature set and, like, some stickers or some other stuff, and it sold out in less than three hours. Yep. 300 of them. Three hours. Yep. And there's, now they're selling the mask, which I'm going to buy one, and it's going to be my Halloween costume for the rest of my life. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, I said that at Brian's house. I'm like, I'm like somebody, but they need to sell that mask. It's not exactly perfect, and whenever I buy it, I'll have to, like, paint on it a little bit, like, you know, fade the red in, and, like, because it doesn't look exactly like his, and it shouldn't look exactly like his. Oh, but, God, no. Right. It's, they sell the hurt heel gloves. They have the, they sell the puppets now. They're, I mean, they're, they are taking advantage of Bray's creativity. I cannot wait to see the first Fiend t-shirt. Not just the one where it was the hands and his face and yowie wowie above it. The first legitimate Fiend t-shirt with let me in which looks like it was written in blood yeah uh like you know the horrific look up um to see that look up go to the wwe shop or wherever you got to go to see it in that box there was a fiend shirt that's real badass oh nice it was real real awesome nice yeah because damn uh all right Let's get off of our Bray Wyatt-induced orgasm, because trust other me. other stuff happened on the show, too. It happened. <laughs> <laughs> some SummerSlam and Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. Um, your winner and new Universal Champion, Seth Rollins. That was Brian. Which the lovebird wanted me to... Put her over because we do our TL Hopper uh, prediction sheets for all the big four. Uh, the Lovebird was the only one to pick Seth Rollins, to which she replied, give me my points. <clears throat> she did. She did. Um, I have never in my life seen a wrestler go from you know, backstage segment halfway through the pay-per-view, we're going to boo the crap out of him to getting cheered like he just, like getting cheered like the Toronto Raptors just won the NBA championship at the end of the main event. I'm like, what the bloody hell? Um, so my question is this. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Seth Rollins as Universal Champ. The only reason I'm doing this is I want to see who they pivot towards. And look at they're pivoting towards Seth versus AJ. And if that's the case, then I'm going to do this because I will be there for Seth versus AJ. I'll totally be there for Seth versus AJ, but I'm also going to say this. If it's Seth versus AJ, with as hot right now as the OC is, 
Seth Rollins is a transitional champion. I agree. And that's fine. I, I don't need I don't need a six month long reign from him if that's what they're pivoting towards. He won't even have a thirty day reign because if it looks because if it's gonna be Seth and AJ at Clash of, at the Clash of Champions, then you know, he'll be a one pay per view champ. And the only reason Seth beat Lesnar was to get the belt off Lesnar so AJ could uh, AJ could win it with help from the OC. I when they put the OC together, I thought, okay, they're just this is this is going to be a little bit of a stretch, you know. Yeah, organically it should work, but they haven't done anything with Gallows and Anderson, and AJ's kind of been floundering. No, the OC is vicious. I've loved what they've done with them. Getting back to Gallows wearing the paint. Um, I love the graphic, I mean, the, the lower third that they're using. Uh, everything about it. The only thing I don't like is they're still using AJ Styles music. They need OC music. I agree. Absolutely. Little known fact, Do you did you know that AJ Styles' music was not intended for AJ Styles. Nakamura? No. Gloria was intended for Nakamura. Uh, right, and right. They don't want none was intended for the revival. Right, yes. Yeah, yes, I did know that. It hmm. talks about Southern boys, plural. For the record, yeah, there are two Southern boys on the OC. Gallows being the other one because he's also from Georgia, but uh, uh, yeah, Carl Anderson's from Cincinnati, so yeah, that doesn't really work. But yeah, that was fit, that one. Uh, his music was intended for the revival, but um, so I don't know why they made change. But you know, hey, some of those guys get pull on. The music. Uh, hello, Samoa Joe's very first NXT thing. Yeah, um, right. God, brutal. Um, there were a lot of good matches on the SummerSlam card. Um, Kofi Orton was not good. Why? Randy yeah. Orton's boring as crap. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I understand that Randy Orton is in his late 30s. I understand that Randy Orton is still a very solid athlete. He is a 13-time world champion. I get that. Randy Orton has been about as boring as watching the Philadelphia Phillies play the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm saying that because I hate both teams that you both go to hell. Um, it's boring. It's stale. He doesn't do anything. He is as... And I'm not I'm not trying to get political in this. I'm just making a point. He is as conservative in the ring as he is politically. Absolutely. He doesn't he doesn't care anymore. He he's somebody that does make his politics known on Twitter and on social media, and that's cool. He can do him. Absolutely. He is as conservative in the ring as he is politically. He clearly does not give a shit anymore. He clearly does not care. He is clearly mailing it in. He is clearly, to me anyway, he's clearly satisfied with what he's done in his career. And he's going to live his life with his super fucking sorry hot wife 
<laughs> she is smoking hot, and he's gonna count his money, and he doesn't care. He doesn't care anymore. He clearly does not care. Enjoy the dad life. Right. Make yeah. Him. I mean, and 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 good for him. He has earned it. He deserves it. Everybody deserves to be happy. Like, absolutely. You do you. But, like, I'm just calling it like I see it. He clearly doesn't care anymore. Yeah. He's mailing it in. He's resting on his laurels. I mean, hey, you know what? If I had that kind of career at a young age, and I was the youngest world heavyweight champion in WWE history, you know what? I, I can't say I wouldn't do the same thing. I might. You never know. You know, he's made millions and millions and millions of dollars. Uh, yeah, and his wife is really easy on the eyes. But if you ever watch that table for three with her, Rebby Hardy, and Kurt Angle's wife, to listen to her talk, I just... Dumb as a box of rocks, I know. Yeah. No, it's just her voice. She sounds like Fran Drescher. She sounds like the nanny. <laughs> and she's pretty stupid, too. <laughs> Wasn't gonna go there, but <laughs> I'll go there. I don't care. I, I see her, I follow her on Twitter. She's not intelligent. Yeah, uh Cam, <laughs> if you have a problem with anything that's happened on this show, his Twitter handle is RJE Man with two N's. Yep. Uh don't have to uh blast you boys, Brian or Patrick. We ain't got yeah. nothing to do with it. It's the guy in the black shirt, not the green shirt, and not the up, up, down, down shirt. Uh I'd like to point out. Your husband has been on up, up, down, down before, so you know. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on, I'm on that up, up, down, down team. You don't have to. Anyway, moving right along. Uh, still thought the match was boring. Don't want to talk about it. Kofi retained. Yay. Um, did anybody expect Charlotte and Trish to be that good? No. I am shocked that Trish Stratus. Has still got it. She looked like she could hang. And we're talking about in the ring with Charlotte Flair, who, depending on the day of the week, is one of the two best women's wrestlers on the planet, the other one being Tessa Blanchard. You disagree? Uh, RJ? I do. I do, but it's okay. She's really good. My opinion, in yeah, my opinion, she's really good. She's absolutely. Her and Blanchard one and two, depending on the day of the week. Right now, Blanchard one. <laughs> Brian, you had something to say. See, Charlotte and Trish. How am I going to put this? It left me wanting more. I and and I I think we can say that about. You know, unpopular opinion alert. I think all three women's matches left me wanting more. You know, because all three of them were serviceable. Bailey and Ember, I thought, was a clunker. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I get that we're, you know, heaping all this praise on Ember Moon about how she is in the ring, but she doesn't have chemistry with a lot of people yet. And, you know, the same thing with Becky and Natty. I thought that one was... That one was bad. Yeah, I didn't yeah. like that match at all. So, and, and this, I guess this is as good as time as any to get into what I was talking about at the outset before I, I stepped back and thought about it a little bit more. 
I look at all three women's matches, and then I look at. I personally, and this is my own opinion, I wanted a bigger payoff from Kevin Owens versus Shane. Because this this goes back to a pattern with the McMahons that people have talked about before with Stephanie. When Stephanie was more of a fixture on television, she was just, you know, throwing her ego around and throwing her station around. And there were no actionable consequences for when she stepped in it big time. And a babyface had the temerity and gall to step back at her. That's why I was going into the weekend. I wanted Kevin Owens to definitively eviscerate Shane. And I don't think that happened. Because Shane came out on SmackDown and hit him with a $100,000 fine for assaulting an official. Blah, 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 blah. and, And ruined what... Could have been and should have been a watershed moment for Kevin Owens. If Shane's career had been on the line, I think we I, I would have gotten a lot more out of that match because it's like I postulated a couple of weeks ago. Shane is at that point where he seriously already has been at that point where he should be thinking about it's time for me to just kind of you know back away and be in you know be in a behind the scenes role again. Work with the talent, yes. You know, give them storyline ideas, yes. But not be an in-ring competitor anymore. Here you had the perfect opportunity to do that. Fine. I'm all man. I'll put my career on the line, too. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's tuned in for that match. And it's balls to the wall. And it's taking all kinds of chances because it's your career on the line. And it's what Kevin Owens was doing with the deck stacked against him with Elias being outside. But when the match ended, I just thought you had a chance to really tell a great story here, and I don't think you've done it. And yes, Kevin Owens got the great reaction Tuesday on SmackDown with the whole crowd chanting his name and talking about what a what a great moment it was for him and that he's been in the ring with all these people, but it just left me feeling empty because Shane's got to go out and do Shane things. And, and that is a big problem that you have to address i'm just holding my hand so nobody forgets that i want to say something when you're done so i'm i'm done are you sure you're done i'm not trying to cut you off no i i'm done i i, I need to be counseled here apparently you no no i'm not i'm not trying to counsel you i'm just going to piggyback off of what you said i totally agree on what you said uh it did leave wanting more however I don't think we're done. I don't think that the Owens and Shane McMahon feud is going to be over in 2019. I think this is going to carry all the way into WrestleMania when Shane does put his career on the line. Because here's my thought process. Does Shane need to put his career on the line? Yes. Would you... And I know SummerSlam is one one of the big four of the pay-per-views. But would you waste that on SummerSlam? No. Or would you wait to do it until Tampa? I get it. Yeah. You, You know, because here's the thing. And WrestleMania is the unofficial end to the season. Storylines 
you know, major storylines have, have traditionally ended or begun at WrestleMania. You know, that's, you know, that's when they kind of hit the reset button and start all over. You know, Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30, the whole story concluded with the miracle on Bourbon Street. Um, the, hate bringing it up, but the legacy of The Undertaker ended WrestleMania 30. Um, so many big storylines end there. If you had Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa doing a long feud off and on, and they always found their way back to each other on the main roster, it would come to a head at WrestleMania. It'll happen. Huh? It'll happen. Oh, yeah. Not the Royal Rumble, not Survivor Series, not SummerSlam, not Money in the Bank, not Great Balls of Fire, not Crown Jewel. <laughs> Not anything like that. It would happen at WrestleMania. Whether it's Tampa this year or wherever else, the next the next year or whatever else. This is going to carry on, in my opinion, into Mania. You're, you're probably going to see them just bickering like Rose, and, you know, probably like Dorothy and Blanche from the Golden Girls from now until... After, from now until maybe after Survivor Series, and then it's going to heat up, and then Royal Rumble, we're really going to ramp it up, and we're going to carry that through Elimination Chamber into uh, WrestleMania, and that's going to be that. That's going to be your blow off, long term booking. Because think about this: who's booking SmackDown now? Bischoff. And if there's one thing Eric Bischoff knows how to do, it is long-term book. Agreed. Uh, hello, Sting versus the NWO. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I didn't even want to talk about uh, Owens and Shane because I thought that match was just a dumpster fire. I, it wasn't entertaining at all, mainly because Shane sucks. Bottom line, um, you could have put you could have put so many other guys in that ring with just a little bit more wrestling ability than Shane McMahon, and it would have been just fine. You could have put Lashley in there for all I care. Could have put Bob. Well, actually, no. If you would have put Bobby Roode in there with Kevin Owens, that would have been spectacular. Um, but as a whole, SummerSlam was a good solid B, B plus maybe. I didn't think it sucked. B, B plus is I, I thought it was I was entertained all night from the beginning of the end, including the pre show when Edge came out. That was awesome. Edge came out and speared the unholy hell out of uh, Elias. Yes, he Elias, did. Elias is starting to get stupid. I'm starting to get really tired of Elias. Uh, honestly, Lorkin and uh, uh, Gulak on the pre-show was good, too. 
Yeah, oh yeah. Then again, Drew Gulak can have a great match with anybody. Um, so let's move forward to um Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw had some good things. Obviously, we just alluded to the big one, which looks like we're setting up uh, AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins. Um, looks like we're going to be getting that. Um, I, we kind of touched on it, but is there anything else you guys want to add other than this is probably Seth Rollins being a transitional champion? No, that feels about right. I mean, <clears throat> and with three guys in the OC, you've got enough variations to keep that, you know, fresh because ostensibly, you know, maybe next week we get, you know, Seth Rollins, you're going to take on Luke Gallows tonight with AJ Styles at ringside and, and there, or, or, you know, or, you know, take on AJ Styles and the OC will be banned from ringside and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But you've got enough dance partners to keep it compelling all the way through Clash of Champions. Absolutely. Uh, that's the mark of a good stable. One other thing we wanted to talk about from Monday Night Raw that Brian is definitely going to love. Patrick will not, however, was the return of Sasha Banks and her blue hair. Um, Natty's cutting a promo. She's going away for a while because she's injured. Injured. Um, I think she's just taking some time off because she hasn't taken time off since her dad died. Let's go ahead and be honest about that. Um, and as she's cutting a promo, Sasha Banks comes out, gives her a hug, goes to go get a microphone, and then just turns around and waylays her. Pulls the pink Wig off. She now has blue hair. Congratulations. Uh, so nice of you to join us after you lost the tag titles at WrestleMania and just now decide to come back, you crybaby little bitch. No, uh, don't act like she's the first person that ever left because she was crying. Oh, bullshit. Steve Austin was the first. <laughs> you, you cry, cry me a river, Steve. Oh, my gosh. Nobody gave him shit for that when he came back. Nobody was like, oh, dude, everybody was, everybody blew their minds when Stone Cold Steve Austin came back. Nobody gave a shit that he left. But Sasha Banks is getting pissed on because she left, because she cried, because she came back, and now everybody's like, oh, look, the crybaby's back. But nobody acted like that when Austin came back. I did. I'm so mad about that. It's such a double standard. CM Punk did the exact same thing. You know what? CM Punk's a crybaby. Still chant his name. And you know what? Those people are are absolute idiots. I agree. Could not possibly agree with that more. Yeah. The people who chant CM Punk are idiots. Here's my thing. You're putting yourself ahead of the team. You know, hey, you know what? Antonio Brown's doing the exact same thing with the Raiders. Mr. Frostbitten foot and, oh, if I don't get to play with my helmet, I might not play. Oh, I can't play with my helmet? Uh, I guess I'm going to have to play then. Guess I'll get a new helmet, right, yeah. Guess I'll get a new helmet and stop being a crybaby bitch. We've got a lot to bleep out this evening. That's fine. Okay, whatever. I'm going to have some work cut out for me (laughs) tomorrow morning. Yay. Better get, better Uh, get this work. Yeah, I'm going to have to. (laughs) 
I may have to find a new uh, uh, a new sound effect other than the cat meowing. Uh, but I'm sorry. I am not. First off, Brian loves Sasha Banks. I know. I, I've never liked her. Can I? I okay. As and I am exactly split down the middle. Okay. Face Sasha Banks is trash. Yes. Heel Sasha Banks is my famous, my favorite woman in wrestling. And it's not close. Heel, Sa- Heel Sasha Banks is my absolute favorite. I am 100% here for Heel Sasha Banks. That's where the boss started. The legit boss that she's supposed to be, I'm 100% here for. She's my favorite when she's healed. I can understand that. And yeah, as a heel, she is a lot better than a face. I just can't stand to hear her talk. (laughs) I literally cannot stand to hear her cut a promo like that, sister. (laughs) It's like having uh, to listen uh, to an (laughs) early ages uh, Triple H uh, promo. Again, uh, uh, it's it's forced, it's not natural, and it dates. Her heel promos are super better. Brian, Brian, breathe. Breathe. (laughs) Which part of you guys laughing at? Triple H. You off it at Sasha Banks. You off it at Sasha Banks. <laughs> okay, seriously, am I right or what? That's what she sounds like. Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely, I agree. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. This <laughs> But yeah, hearing her cut a promo. It's kind of like listening to Randy Orton's wife talk. Oh. It's painful. I won't go there, but yeah. Okay, hearing her cut a promo is like listening to Lars Sullivan cut a promo. Where is he? He's injured. Did he get hurt again? Yeah, he he jacked his knee up during one of those stupid-ass handicap matches. Oh well, whatever. Uh, didn't like, don't like him either. Um, so okay, cool. Sasha Banks is back. Sasha is a very, very good wrestler. Um, her in-ring body of work is phenomenal. I could watch her wrestle good opponents until the cows come home. Just don't give her a microphone. Don't give, just like the Bellas. Don't give the Bellas a microphone. Don't let them in the ring. Just let them stand there and be pretty. You don't know this about me, but the Bellas are my least favorite thing in wrestling history. I'm fairly accurate. <laughs> fairly accurate, yeah. Can't stand them. Can't stand them. Yeah. I'll say the best. Um, I'm, I'm very excited about them. 
launching Sasha into what is clearly a program with Becky Lynch after Becky called her out. Um, Sasha, Becky Lynch, and NXT is the best women's match I've ever seen. Most people say most people say that the match they had with Bailey after that is better. I don't agree. I I think that Sasha and Becky's match is better than the Bailey match. The Bailey the the Sasha Bailey match is great, 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 great. Sasha and Bailey in that in that Iron Woman match, phenomenal. Um, I think the match she had before that for the championship with Becky was better. Brian. Tell me he did not just say Gentleman's allowed to have an opinion. Gentleman's Fine. allowed to be wrong, too. Yeah, I, I, I respectfully oh, disagree with you, sir. The only way the match would better is if it would have ended with an ass mm-hmm. to the <laughs> We're not. We're not. We are not going <laughs> to do that again. Let's not push that button. Let's not right, push right. RJ. We don't know nuclear on this show, damn it. Hey, back you know, away from the instrument panel slowly. Hey, you've already gone rant mode on without calling your shot. So <laughs> hey, don't don't that was very spur of the moment. Don't hey, don't make don't make me get so mad I can't turn back talking about <laughs> that move. Uh-uh. Let's not do it. All right, yeah, um, yeah. All right. Um, so we transition from Raw to SmackDown. Cool. Apparently next week, Daniel Bryan and Rowan are going to let us know who tried to kill Roman Reigns. Cool. Um, Any thoughts on who it is? Wrong answers only. (laughs) Dean Ambrose. Bryan. Doink the Clown. Yes! I'm the Boogeyman, and I'm coming to get ya! Uh, either or, or, or either Doink or Lord Steven Regal. No, 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 no. If we're gonna do Steve, if we're gonna do a Regal reference in for, in terms of wrong answers only, it's got to be the real man's man. Oh man! Uh, God. Um. Other wrong answers. Brother Love. Pete Gas. Um, the Bolsheviks, um, Giant Gonzalez, Repo Man, Repo Man, oh man, oh, no, 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 dude, he was driving a forklift and he was driving a car. It's Bob Spark Plug Holly, (laughs) yes, Sparky Plug, (laughs) yes, STP, yeah, uh, all right, or the let's talk about. The really go ahead, Brian. We forgot one. What? Moppy. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past Moppy to no, well, you know finally we talk about long term booking with Moppy. Oh my god. <laughs> That's a big full circle. Yes. Oh my god. No 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 no. Talk about long term booking. You know who it was? Muhammad Hassan. <laughs> I can't wait for the 24 on that one. <laughs> um, that's, hey, that's not a 24. That's like a three, whatever 365 times like 15 is. Because it just like disappear. 
By the way, thought of a, a ride along with Perry Saturn and Moppy would have been amazing. Oh God. <laughs> Perry Saturn and Moppy, and then go and then get in the time machine, go back in WCW and do Chavo Guerrero Jr. and Peppy. We are so far off the rails, it is unreal. What the hell? Who gives a damn? (laughs) It's a show. Hey, we've had a great wrestling weekend. We're still coming down off that high. This show was bound to be stupid. It's so So, SmackDown, we also had uh, a great match, a match that you were putting over earlier, uh, doing my part here to get us back on. Yeah. Okay. First off, Buddy Murphy gets his very first official match on SmackDown. And, and he he's gets a revelation. It, he gets it against Roman Reigns. And the first thing I'm thinking is, all right, this is going to play out with some part of a storyline, and Buddy Murphy's going to get his shit kicked in. Oh, my God. If anybody got their teeth rearranged in that match, it was Roman. That was a hard-hitting, just brutal match and amazing. I, I, along with a lot of people on the internet, think match of the year candidate. Um, probably, as far as WWE main roster is concerned, yeah, that is the match of the year right now. You know, we've had a lot of good contenders in NXT so far, but WWE main roster-wise, that's the match of the year, in my opinion. Um, but my my whole takeaway from that was, it's about damn time they found a way to put Buddy Murphy on the map. The guy is good. You saw the work he did on 205 as cruiserweight champ. He is amazing in the ring. And I was I was not sold on him at first because he comes into 205 from NXT with no fanfare. He did the only times we saw him on TV were when he was tag champ with uh Wesley Blake when it was Blake Murphy and Alexa. The only, let's be honest, the biggest star to come out of that trio was Alexa Bliss. Now Buddy Murphy finally gets an opportunity, and man, did he cash in. Yeah. Um, uh, go ahead. For me, watching that match. What'd you say? Oh, I said Buddy Murphy was a revelation for me watching that match. I mean, I, I kind of thought I was going to go the same way you did, where it was going to be over in five minutes. and But no, Buddy dished out as much as he took, if not more. RJ, what do you think? Because I don't, if, if you're going to allude to Roman Reigns' tweet, don't. I want to bring that up. Um, I have nothing to allude to. I haven't watched the match yet. Oh, you haven't? Okay. You need to watch it. it was I've awesome. heard. I've obviously heard a ton about it on wrestling Twitter and from you guys, and I will go watch it. But I, it's Wednesday right now when I work today. I haven't watched SmackDown yet. Okay, cool. Uh, Roman Reigns tweeted, and I don't have the tweet in front of me, but I'll just kind of paraphrase it. He talked about how Buddy Murphy stepped up. Buddy Murphy 
took the opportunity, ran with it, and hit a home run. And he used a hashtag that I thought was really cool because Buddy Murphy has always referred to himself as WWE's best kept secret. Roman used the hashtag secrets out. I like that. That's I didn't care. I was like, so for Roman, because after the match, you just see this look on Roman's face like, holy shit. <laughs> like he knows he's been in a war. And he's just looking at Murphy, who's now on the outside of the ring. And he's just like, yep. Yep. Um, and Buddy Murphy, quite possibly with the greatest sell of a spear in history. That oh, yeah. I saw. That was really good. <clears throat> um, forget the three spears that Ziggler took from Goldberg, which that third one was just vile. <laughs> Oh, I felt for him on that one. That was a that was just god awful. And what the hell are they doing with Ziggler? Just taking ass whipping after ass whipping, and then going, "I'm still standing, man, 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 man," just for Goldberg or the Miz to come he's back. Just and get the flesh wound. Yeah, it's, he's the black. <laughs> oh my god, he's the Black Knight for money fight. He is. I didn't think about that, son of a bitch. That was the first thing I thought of on Sunday. You're bleeding. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, but Murphy selling that spear at the end of the match. Good God. As, as the late, great Gorilla Monsoon would have said, oh, 360. <laughs> Such a good match. And speaking of good matches, ring the bell. Class is in session. It is now homework time. My name is Patrick, and my name is Patrick, and I will be your teacher today. And last week, class, I assigned for both of you the Elimination Chamber from Survivor Series 2000. Thank you, Brian, too. Um, Van Damme, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Kane, and help me out. Chris Jericho and Booker T. Yeah, Jericho RVD for the World Heavyweight Championship. Reason I assigned it, I spoiled the ending for everybody. Shawn Michaels wins, but it wasn't the match, which was pretty good. It was the pop, because that organically is what a pop is supposed to sound like. Brian, you first. What did you think about the match itself, the story they told, and the one, two, three at the end? This is a match that I've seen several, several, several times, not going to lie. Um, but <clears throat> with it being homework this time around, I went back and watched it a lot more critically than I have any of the other dozens of times I've seen it. And anytime you have a new kind of match, you know, or a, a match that breaks ground. We've talked about it before with Sean and Razor, uh, the Intercontinental Ladder match at WrestleMania 10, or maybe the first time you saw War Games, or the first time you saw, you know, any of those kinds of matches where there's stakes that aren't normally around. Yes? I just thought of something real quick. You guys realize, WWE-wise, Shawn Michaels 
was in the very first ladder match. He was in the very first Hell in the Cell, and he was in the very first Elimination Chamber. And that's kind of what I was going to be getting to in a moment, was that there's a lot of trust placed in Sean to get these kinds of stipulations over. And he won all three of them. Yes. Um, the thing that got me this time around was watching all six guys try to navigate their way around the structure of Elimination Chamber. Right. Because they probably had an inkling of what it was going to look like, but I think in that environment with Madison Square Garden, now the, the lights are on and the match is happening, there's a lot of variables that maybe they didn't quite take into consideration. You know, like what happens when I get backdropped out of the ring? And how much is that going to be, how much is that going to suck when I hit the the chain link floor, the, you know, the steel floor, as opposed to going all the way down to the mats below? Uh, what happens when I get Irish whipped into the, the plexiglass doors and stuff like that? All those variables that you don't normally get in a match like this. Um, I will be honest with you. At the time I first saw it, I did not see Sean winning. Um, oh, I, th I thought either Triple H is going to retain or I thought maybe they're going to give it to Jericho, or maybe they're going to give it to Kane or somebody like that. I don't. I had no idea how it was going to go off, but I definitely didn't see Sean winning it. I, I, I can't. I thought it was going to be Jericho because at that point in time, Jericho mm -hmm. was the whole King of the World thing. Yeah. Uh, and that was, in my opinion, Jericho's first real good heel run in WWE. So for all of those reasons, and then just for, you know, listening for that pop at the end when Sean gets the one, two, three, um, this one's an A-plus for me. And I know we, we're tossing A-pluses around like they're, you know, candy at a 4th of July parade, but it's just because of the quality of this match. I mean, everybody gets their chance to shine. It does, it, it does come at a cost, though, because Triple H uh, had to have trachea surgery with uh, RVD's botched frog splash from off the top of the, the, one of the pods. RVD botched a move? Yes. Oh, yeah. I, you know, RVD botches shit? Thinly veil your surprise there, sir. Um, so, it, but, but it was uh, a very compelling match for me, and Elimination Chamber has always been an interesting match for me. To watch because I know we've talked about this before that it's the WWE's version of War Games, you know, kind of like a happy marriage between a War Games concept and a Hell in a Cell concept. Right. So it's an A plus for me, um, and I love the story that Sean has told about how it almost came to how quickly everything came together to where he had the ugliest ring trunks ever and the. Soccer mom, AJ Styles-esque haircut and all that stuff, but he still went out there and, you know, yeah, I mean, if you look at the, the, the trunks, the design isn't even finished on the back. It's just a H and a heart that's not even finished. And it's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> yep. Yeah, RJ, what say you about this one? Um, well, my the first thing that I'll say, one of the main things that I noticed was that if you didn't know it was the first Elimination Chamber, I don't think you would know it was the first Elimination Chamber. They seemed really comfortable 
Um, taking bumps as far as the, the backdrop to the outside, maybe not so much. And uh, both guys that jumped off the pods landed on their feet. Um, but other than that, the way that they navigated going in and out of the ring and uh, playing with the pods and, I, with you know, just the different ways that they used the structure... I it just watching it. If I hadn't known it was the first one, I would have never known it was the first one. Um, I I think that it's it's really interesting that one of my favorite things, one of my favorite storytelling parts of this match is that it comes down to almost everybody, at least as far as I can remember, that I talked to thought that it was a foregone conclusion that this was WWE making Hunter look strong beating five guys to keep the world championship that he technically never won and making him look strong. And that's what everybody that I talked to at the time thought was going to happen. And it seemed like nobody on planet earth thought that Jericho or Sean could win. Nobody thought that Jericho was going to win and nobody thought that Sean was going to win. And those were those last, the last two guys, RVD. Um, Nobody and and so I feel like the last three coming down to Hunter, Jericho, and Sean, it looks like it's transparent. It looks like, well, obviously Hunter's going to roll through these guys. They're going to take each other out, and then here comes Hunter. And for me, the pop at the end that everybody talks about in regards to this match, I think the bigger pop was when he hit the kick. He hit Sweet Chin Music, and the roof came off the place. And then they died down to hear, and then the roof came off again. And everybody remembers it so fondly for the pop because there were two within three seconds of each other that are two of the loudest pops I've ever heard in my life. And they're within three seconds of each other for essentially the same thing. Right. Um, I've got to, just as far as performances, it's got to be an A. Um, I, I I can't give it an A plus just because of the two botched spots off the pods. Um, but just with, with how comfortable everybody looked and the swerve end and just, it was, I, it was good. It was, an, I, I would give it an A. It, it was real good. I love, and I would also like to mention that I thought it was really awesome the way that before the match, Bischoff came out and gave that whole speech. I thought it was really cool how he had the pipe and was like banging on the parts of the chamber to show you how hard they were. I thought that was great. I also like the fact that Bischoff almost busted his ass. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> For that sure. was funny. See, my thing is with the match itself, because of those box spots and the fact that, let's be honest, they almost killed Hunter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, it's an A minus for me. It's still an A, but I have to give it an A minus because. We almost lost Hunter. If RVD would have jacked that up just a little bit more, Hunter wouldn't have made it out of that cage, period. Um, but I, when I went back and watched it, I was very critical about things and was watching it. And that's where I noticed what you just brought up, RJ. Those two massive explosions within three seconds of each other at the very end. Because it's just... So, you know, sweet chin music, boom, one, two, three, boom. 
Yeah. And it was like the second one. I mean, don't get me wrong. The first one was a five megaton nuclear bomb going off. The second one was a seven ton, seven megaton nuclear bomb going off. I mean, it was a little bit bigger, but they were both just, just earth shattering. And I would put those up there with like the Hardy Boys a couple years ago at WrestleMania, which RJ oh. likes to remind us You're he welcome. was there. <laughs> um, that one and um, Bailey beating Sasha at Takeover Brooklyn. That was a just a, an enormous pop, and AJ debuting at the Rumble. Yes. As far as WWE is concerned, those might be like the biggest pops I've ever witnessed. And now, if I don't ever remember anything like this, just instant, just explosion out of anything WCW ever did. And the only ECW pop I could ever remember like that was a homework assignment that we did not too long ago when Terry Funk beat Raven at, at Barely Legal to become the ECW World Heavyweight Champion. Obviously, the crowd was smaller, but just the eruption puts it on those levels, even though the crowd was a lot larger. As, but, I, re <clears throat> as I recall, uh Bulldog beating Bret Hart uh, oh, in Wembley. God, yeah, that oh, was a pretty big one, too. But that one. Because that was a surprise roll-up. One, two, three, and then Wembley just loses its crap. Yeah. I forgot all about that one. Good call. Yeah. Good call, sir. Um, so it sounds like A's all around, and RJ, you alluded to something earlier on in the evening. Uh, you're on the hook for the next homework assignment. Uh, good sir, what direction are you taking us with our assignment for this week? I got a feeling we're going back to Japan. <laughs> yes, that is true. Um, so on, as I mentioned earlier, on August 31st, Okada is going to defend the belt against Minoru Suzuki. Um, I'm going to go back to last summer. It was June 23rd, 2018. <clears throat> um. Okada has, isn't the champion anymore. He just lost it to Kenny. Um, they had a 30th anniversary show for Minoru Suzuki. Um, the logo was an animated picture of a skull with Suzuki's hair, famous hair. And it was, the whole show, it was a 30th anniversary for Minoru Suzuki. Suzuki's been wrestling for 30 years. 30 years. 31 now. How old is he? I don't know how old he is. I'd have to look it up. Um, I, I late fifties, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, th last year they had a Minoru Suzuki thirtieth anniversary show. It was on June twenty third, two thousand eighteen, and in the main event of that show, Minoru Suzuki wrestled Kazuchika Okada. Um, oh, I don't know if I should tell you or not. Um, it's an outdoor show. I, I, all I'm, I'm gonna, just going to tell you, it is an outdoor show that is all for Suzuki. You don't have, obviously, don't have to watch all the other stuff, but the main event is really good. Make sure you watch the entrances and everything. It's Kazuchika Okada and Minoru Suzuki in the main event of that show, and that that whole thing flies under the radar. Um, 
the um the ambiance and the setting is just as good as the Okada Suzuki match that actually happens between the two men. Uh, you'll see what I mean when you watch it. I am looking forward to it because first off, you 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 mentioned the name Kazuchika Okada, and from all the things I've watched from Japan, and I'm sure Brian will feel the same way. You mentioned you, you, if you tell us that we're watching a, an Okada match, we're I can probably speak for Brian. We're happy with that. Yeah. We're happy was, with watching an Okada match. There was the little known match that he had with me back in 2012. Uh, got a lot of people talking. I mean, that probably was five stars. That was a watershed moment for me too. He gave it nine and a half stars. Yes, he did. Well, it, it didn't happen in the Tokyo Dome, so probably not. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Nine and one nine and one fourth of those stars are because of Okada. It's not because of me. Yeah. I don't think that at all about the biased Tokyo Dome thing. It was just a joke. <laughs> um kind of off topic, but you know what Okada match I have always enjoyed going back and watching? Mm. The the first ever G1 special in the USA when he fought Cody. Oh god, yeah. Absolutely. That's the- underrated banger of a match. I agree. I I love that one. Because that's when you realize Cody's gonna be fine on his own. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we already knew he was gonna be fine because he was, at that time, was Ring of Honor world champ. Uh, he had just beaten Lethal, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And, yeah, he gets in the ring with Okada, and it was just amazing. But again, that and that's just me having a man crush on Kazuchika Okada. I love. How can you, that. <laughs> How can you not? It's he's uh, he's amazing. He's arguably the best wrestler on the planet. I agree. Either him or your boy Kenny Omega. I agree. Or or Brian's boy Bastion Booger. Yes, a Bastion Booger reference. The, you know what? That's the guy driving the fourth lift. Bastion oh, Booger. God, please. You no. figured it out. It, 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 you figured it out. Better not. You know, be. I, I, uh, I saw a Facebook, uh, no, it was on uh, Twitter, a, a, a Twitter thread. People, somebody asking who they thought was driving the fourth lift, who they, they thought was doing it. The first comment, was a gif of Rikishi going, I did it for the people. I did it for <laughs> That's good stuff. I love that. I saw that and I was like, I'm done. I'm done. That's it doesn't get stuff. better than that. Um, no bar talk, obviously, because this show's already long enough as it is. And if you haven't figured it out by now, we are tabling the Undertaker discussion for next week. Why? Because Patrick does not own an effing calendar that's not on his phone. By the way, I use my phone to record this show, so I can't do both at the same time. I did not realize last week that we would be talking about G1 and SummerSlam and Raw and SmackDown. And TakeOver. (laughs) And TakeOver. Holy crap. You know, I expected Raw and SmackDown and probably SummerSlam to all suck balls. So I was like, yeah. We'll be able to do it. And, and there's one other thing that 
was announced this week that we never even touched on. Oh, oh my gosh. How did nobody mention that? King of the Ring is coming back. The Ring! <laughs> How about this? Right, here's my modest proposal. We will still do Undertaker Greatest of All Time debate next week, but we'll reserve the first five-ish ten minutes of that show to really get into the guys that are in it, and then we can call our shot as to who we think the King of the Ring should be. Five and or I'll, ten minutes? I'll pick the winner of that tournament right too. Say what? I'll, I will pick the winner of that tournament correctly as well. Oh, my oh, God. My, my name is RJ, and I pick winners. My yeah. name is... My name is Alfred, blah, 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 blah. They call me Big Al, and I hit dingers. <laughs> I remember that kid. Right. That kid was awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah he hit dingers. <laughs> that was the definition of a power hitter, boys and girls. Um, no yeah, we'll talk King of the Ring. I'm totally looking forward to King of the Ring, because King of the Ring is awesome. We yeah. also, also coming up uh, toward the end of this month is also the... Uh, the uh, Super J Cup, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. 22nd, it starts, I think. Yeah, but correct me if I'm wrong. It's all in, like, the Pacific Northwest America, right? Yeah, I don't remember where all it is. I know it finishes up in Tacoma, I think. Tacoma, yeah, Seattle. The show in San Francisco, I don't remember exactly all where it is. But, yeah, it starts on the 22nd. <laughs> it's not. N-O-T, not. Live on New Japan World. Really? It will probably be posted after the fact, but it is not. It will not be live on New Japan World. I think the next time they are live on J New Japan World is September 5th for the Road to Destruction. Nothing, but there's nothing with English commentary until the end of September with the three Destruction shows. So you mean Royal Crest? Royal Quest isn't even going to be live. It's not. It's not listed on their calendar. Nope. And the Super well, Jacob isn't is for the Super Jacobs for sure not live. I don't know that Royal Quest is going to be live anywhere. Um, and then they have Road to Destruction at the beginning of September. They have like five or six Road to Destruction shows, and then they have Destruction. Oh, I don't remember the cities, but it's three different cities. It's like they do a, they almost do like a pay-per-view three times in three different cities. It's obviously not the same card every time, but right. it's destruction in this city and destruction in this city and destruction in this city. And it's three different days and it's super awesome. I love destruction every year. Nice. Well, Speaking of destruction, I'm going to have to edit all this crap down because we cussed a lot. I cussed a lot. RJ cussed a lot. Brian didn't because Brian's a good guy. <laughs> the two villains swore a lot. Ah. <laughs> a lot. So, but you know what? It was a damn good show. Or as Vince McMahon would say, that's good shit, pal. Ow. Hey, we're going to milk that thing for all it's worth. Well, to get out of here, as always... My name is Patrick. You can hit me up on Twitter at Rant Mode On. The guy with there is your G1 Climax 2019 winner, Kota Ibushi, with his manager, RJ, who you can hit up on Twitter at RJ Eman with not one, but two N's. And the guy in the green shirt, our professor, our intellectual savior, if you will, 
uh, Brian, who can be hit up at the Krigo 1-5. Gentlemen, damn fine show this week. Agreed. We had a lot of good quality work, stuff to work with this week. Oh, yeah, we do. I'm going to enjoy editing this one just as much as I have enjoyed talking to you guys this week. I will talk to you guys next week as we will talk to all of you guys. So, for the AEW Assassin and the Intellectual Savior, I am the Reverend of the Rant Patrick wishing you guys a wonderful wrestling week. And until next week, that's our story. And we're sticking to it.